The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. We have some serious stuff that we want to get to, some, some important stuff that we want to get to. And you know that the conversation continues around police funding across North America and right here in Edmonton. It was back before City Council yesterday where Police Chief Dale McPhee told councillors that cutting police funding is not a good strategy. He says municipal and provincial governments need to work together to build a better safety net. So what does that look like? I also have questions about what is going on with that increased gun violence in Edmonton and curious as well to know how COVID is impacting the job. So much to talk about with Chief McPhee. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jalen. Great to be with you. All right, let's start off the top. Uh, Yesterday, you said that uh, cutting police funding is not a good strategy. Instead, you said municipal and provincial governments need to work together to build a better social safety net. Um, How has that or has it been done in the past? And if not, how do we do it and make sure it's done well? Well, that's just it, right? (laughs) We, We always get into these conversations and we always get to the conversations about moving money around thinking that's all something but we don't actually you know look at the whole uh, system and what's actually in the system for money so when you actually look at that and we plan to go back and counsel here in about a month's time to have a little bit of a deeper dive and you know the purpose of the police isn't to point fingers at anybody else and, and but what we really need to do if we're the responders of the call we need to actually use our voice to lead some change in this and and so it looks at a couple things uh, you know the number put out there that we're pretty confident in right now there's about $7.5 billion a year uh, put into the social safety net in the city. Of that, we're $462 million. What we're saying is there's got to be a better way. I think we, we can certainly look uh, at two things that are transpired in our city right now. Uh, one being uh, you know some of the things in relation to the social issues, homeless, etc., mental health. All of those things which we as the police uh, have said uh, we need better solutions. We've been one of the first to say systemic racism exists and we need to do a better job collecting doing that and we certainly have to do our part in some of the service delivery offered in some of these services and then we have the violence that's also playing out on our uh, streets uh, as well and those are separate things but the reality is we have the ability of a time to form the right partnerships use the right data to actually try something different rather than use the same old conversation uh, you know which is based on something that's not evidence-based and we we just throw uh, opinions out there and and we say we're just about moving money around so, you know, we need to play a, a larger role in that. We need to obviously take it from a position of community safety and well-being and ensure this, uh, the safety of our citizens. And we absolutely acknowledge that we have things to improve on, too, on that front end. And we also know that uh, we got to ensure at the same time that we're putting that balance to work on the back end, the serious stuff. So uh, I think we're sitting on probably opportunity based on downturn of the economy, <clears throat> based on uh, the events of COVID. Uh, that are still with us, obviously, for quite some time yet, and George Floyd. And when we actually look at all three of these things together, I think the winds are here to actually do real, meaningful, impactful change and not change that's based on uh, personal opinion or personal experience. We need to get this right. So, Chief, we've we've had this conversation a couple of times over the past number of months, and you've always said to me, and you've told my listening audience, that police really deal with two main groups um, of people. First, the dangerous people, uh, repeat violent offenders who, you know, it's your job to protect us from them. And then there's those folks that you tend to deal with almost more often, the people who are falling
falling through the cracks, the marginalized, racialized, suffer men- mental health issues. And, and we've talked about the fact that, that police aren't necessarily the best people to help them and so when we talk about moving around some of this money when we talk about um you know getting all levels of government on board to deal with that i mean i think that there can be some great work there but it seems like we're still talking about it or am i wrong is there progress being made (laughs) well i i I know we're we're making progress we've uh we've redirected 28 million dollars of our budget right now to community safety and well being which is forming partnerships up front to actually take things out of the justice system we've already made that change and we did that change as you and i've talked before before covid 19 mm-hmm. or before george floyd and there's an opportunity now to go further in this system and actually look at it because uh, a lot of those issues on the on the vulnerable side that you, you've alluded to um, there is uh, high levels of mental health high levels of addictions high levels uh, you know of uh, of poverty but you know most of it is based in trauma let's let let's yeah. be honest and we need to find different ways but we also got to be starting to think about the second call not always the first call everybody says oh we should send a a, a let's just use the instance of social worker who i've got a lot of time uh, and respect for but you can't send them to situations that's going to put them in danger yeah. either. And that's why we're saying the answer in this is partnerships. Uh, just because we go to the first call doesn't mean we should be going to the second call. Perhaps if we have outcomes and we can actually look at meaningful outcomes if we measure each other against each other or with each other, then that follow-up takes them out of the justice system and gets them the services they need so they don't become entrenched in mm-hmm. whether it's the justice system or the thing that's very similar to the justice system is the public health system them in the emergency rooms at the hospital so you know the royal alex situation is very very uh similar to what we see in you know in in taking individuals into custody uh when it comes to the vulnerable population and when we put those resources of public health and police together i can almost assure you based on the data and the science it's a better outcome for everybody and then on the same side is the things that you talked about the serious offenders that are responsible for 50 percent of recontact the justice system. These are the gangs and different things that are terrorizing our streets. The justice system is designed to look after that and rehabilitate that. And we, as uh, police, uh, have restructured our resources to better sort intake. And at the same time, uh, how we deal with those individuals in different manners to obviously when we're dealing with our vulnerable, it's a person of uh, a position of compassion, respect, and understanding. And those are things that we also can improve on and we're committed to do. Do you think that um, the the ideas being put out there, the the moves that you're making, the the the, the path that you're starting to follow is going to be good enough uh, for those who are there because there was all sorts of you know people saying seventy five million dollars out of that budget it has to go. I mean I. I th- I guess probably I just answered my question, Chief, is that you're not going to be able to please everyone. Well, you can't. And $75 million is 1% of $7.5 billion last time I checked. And that isn't going to change anything. But what is going to change things is where you actually put the, the individuals in the front end of the system at the center of it and actually figure out, design the outcomes. And that's what we're committed to do. You know, we have a job. Uh, you know, I, I take this office very serious. I'm very proud to be in Edmonton. But, you know, it's always going to be community safety and well-being for us. Yeah, that's 
my my job. You know, when it, it, this gets lost in some of these discussions about discipline of officers and things that you know we've messed up. Uh, as I said frequently, uh, I, there's nothing worse that a good cop uh, doesn't like is a bad cop. Mm-hmm. And and but we don't have a lot of those. We have some, and we need to address that. But we also got a large workforce. We've got men and women out there every day. You know, in various different agent or parts of our service, buying groceries for individuals, helping people get them connected to services. Uh, but often what leads in these stories is the violence and uh, and the things that obviously are replayed in the media. And really what we need to do and what we're committed to do is putting the balance in the equation. And it's about people. And this city has far too long had high social issues and they've had high crime. And it's time failures continue to do what we're doing. And what we've been doing to this point is throwing money at things rather than throwing solutions, in our opinion. And we're committed to doing things differently. When can we start, uh, you know, checking off the boxes of, okay, that was a success, that was a success? Because this stuff doesn't happen overnight. Well, it doesn't, but it, you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I think the other thing that we got to be real uh, about is we're not going to end this overnight either. But if we can get 20% out of the system and we can focus on 20%, you know, as I said yesterday, Yesterday, if we can't do that, I don't think we have the right people in the room. And what I mean by that is we need others that are willing to come to the table with their resources and their money, uh, uh, which I think is financial and human resources. We didn't argue with, you know, uh, using $11 million of our budget growth to look at things differently. And we still commit to that. We have to do our part, too. COVID's hit us all hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, in policing environment, when it get hit hard, calls for service and some of the issues uh, tend to increase but we still have to do our part we fully recognize that but I am curious to see and hopefully council and you know I think they have the ability and will do that is it not just them but all of us is to leverage that 11 million dollars and who else is going to come to the table to do some things differently in this space and and I think to, to your point is it's we got to start taking some calculated risks that are based on evidence to do things differently and honestly I, we firmly believe based on everything we've shown it's not just about moving money uh, and you know if you look at some of the problems that have portrayed or played out in in the US by jumping to some hasty decisions whether it's in in, in Minneapolis or Seattle or some of these others and and quite frankly we've seen some articles coming out of Toronto we don't want to be knee-jerk. We want to do things at the, at the right pace with the right partners to get it right, and we need to be in it together. Uh, and that's why we're obviously think that we need to double down on some of our partners that have some other levers and some controls uh, that we can help with and they can help with and get under some of our communities that are struggling. Edmonton Police Chief Dale McPhee joining me this afternoon. Uh, let's switch gears a little bit. I wanted to talk to you uh, about COVID. I understand that Dr. Hinshaw said that she had sent a letter to, uh, you know, Alberta's police departments looking for help and enforcing new COVID fighting measures. Uh, did you receive that letter? Can you tell yeah, us what was in there? What was no, that about? Absolutely, we received the letter and, uh, you know, there's new restrictions uh, that were put out by health and we, as EPS and actually all of uh, Alberta policing as, as president of AACP, mm-hmm. we are there to help with what we need to do with help. I mean, the mainstream that's been the... Uh, um, the approach at this point is uh, we work with 
health and certainly the cities and, and bylaw and others. Um, first and foremost, uh, you hope that you can educate people in relation to uh, obviously complying with the restrictions. And if, if they don't comply, then we always have the ability to write the tickets. And if, if that continues uh, with the increase in cases that we have and people aren't complying, then there's a good chance they're going to end up with tickets. We hope that people start to recognize the seriousness of this and um, you know some of the cases and the stories coming out of the U.S. about people dying and don't thinking this is real this yeah. is real mm-hmm. I mean we've been wearing masks in our office here uh, for, for for a few weeks and I mean this isn't going away soon is it an inconvenience yes is it the right thing to do to bend the curve yes and why do we need to bend the curve because our health care workers are overwhelmed and I think we lose sight of why we need to do this. Uh, folks, <clears throat> I've got my mom right now that I can't see uh, because the restrictions of, of the where she's living right now. And to me, that's harder mm-hmm. than any of this. Mm-hmm. And the only way we're going to get out of this is if we stop thinking about ourselves and we start thinking about each other. And I think there's a, there's a method to do that. Now, whether tickets are going to help with that, I'm not sure they will. But will we write tickets if nobody's complying? You bet we will. Chief, before uh, we run out of time, I wanted to ask about uh, the pressures on frontline members right now with dealing with COVID. How are they holding up? What are they seeing? You know, it's been quite a year, but it's been quite a year for all of us. And I'm remarkably and uh, just proud of of our frontline officers um you know we've got our share of cases that come and go here too and uh you know uh, our people don't ask questions they go in they do the job to the best of their ability and uh, you know for the most part they're staying upbeat but uh have they taken a beating this year yeah i mean covid and uh, as you know too nobody can get away for a holiday or a break right now so we've got covid we've got the pressures of george floyd we got the pressures of people you know sometimes uh, uh, due to frustration, screaming at them and and, and saying they're at the, the heart of the blame of all this. And quite frankly, that's not real fair of uh, something that happened thousands of miles away. But our people are remaining professional, and okay. that's what uh, I'm most proud of. But has, is it a strain, and do they feel it? You bet they do. But I think every other uh, frontline service right now is feeling that same pressure. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's just uh, says a lot about uh, those services that we have from the front lines in Edmonton, whether it's in healthcare or fire or policing, that they just keep on doing their job, uh, as among many others do. And for all of us that uh, just have to keep going, that, that that's the way it is right now. But losing is not an option. Chief, I've lived in this city now for 20 years, 20 years coming up uh, the beginning of next month. I've seen ebbs and flows when it comes to violence, when it comes to gun violence, when it comes to gang violence in this city. This past year has been something else. I think the last numbers that I saw ended on November 5th. There had been 127 shootings in Edmonton. Gun crimes are up overall um, and uh, homicide cases as well. Can you break down uh, at all what you know about what's happening and what people need to be aware of? Yeah, we're we're up to about 137 shootings right now, and unfortunately, that's not uncommon in this city. It's been up since the summer months. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we've seen a few things uh, play out. We've certainly attributed, and we know some of this is gang related, which is which means that it's not uh, targeted at innocent individuals. But what also that means is 
unfortunately, as you've seen in, in Toronto and other cities, that uh, innocent individuals get hurt with this stuff. Uh, we're fully aware of that. We've got all hands on deck of that, and uh, that's something we can deal with. On the other side of this, um, we've got an excess of guns that have hit our street. Uh, uh, some of it, obviously, has been attributed to uh, some of the restricted uh, firearms that have uh, that were moved to uh, prohibited. Um, uh, you know, when, if, if you remember, I think you know we might even talk about this show if we didn't. It was on another media thing where a lot of individuals were buying firearms at alarming rates. Yeah. Some were COVID-related. Yeah. Some were, uh, and we we warned that our concern was that this could play out. Well, that's playing true with no buyback program, etc. That's that's playing true on our streets. So uh, we certainly are looking at that as well. Uh, you know, I hear a lot of things uh, that you know whether it's overdoses about dirty drugs and, and illicit drugs playing on the street that those have went up because of the the borders being closed. Yeah. Last time I checked, the borders were never open to illegal <laughs> drugs going over. Um, so I think, uh, you know, we have no intelligence to say that it's that. I think uh, the organized criminals just get more organized and they do different things, uh, obviously, uh, to, to get those things across. Uh, and we see that. And, and certainly we know things um, that have played out on our street with uh, increased money comes increased drug uses as, uh, uh, drug usage as well and we're seeing some of that play out on our streets and and as we know and we've talked about lots is the is the meth issue yep. uh, makes good people unpredictable and uh, or it makes you know uh, let's say people that have, uh, are doing behaviors that aren't right do even worse so uh, all of those things uh, play a role and play a factor right now um, I, I'm pretty confident that we've got some really good directions on some of these okay. things ultimately you know the homicides those ebbs and flow um i mean we were down last year considerably and we're up a few this year that's a hard one to benchmark because you know most of these people are known to each other uh but is so it a concern related some are yeah. some are yeah not all not all like some of these are just you know uh, we've had anything from family members getting yeah, in a yeah. fight where they're intoxicated and stabbing each other to some that are um and that's the thing and that's like domestic violence uh which is up considerably right now and that happens behind closed doors and probably we're seeing that almost across north america based on the stuff that we get sent to us yeah. and some of that obviously is covid related so we've got a lot of factors uh which say that it's going to need all hands on deck on a, on a lot of different aspects right now and uh and uh, we've got people actually working these files around the clock. Chief, we'll leave it there. Thank you for joining me this afternoon. Always appreciate your time. Thanks, Jalen. Really appreciate yeah. your time as well. Yeah, you betcha. Edmonton Police Chief Dale McPhee.